Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Amen. Um... Glad you're here this morning. My name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the teaching team. We are in Ephesians looking at our new identity in Christ. If we're Christ followers, uh, Paul in Ephesians just speaks this truth over us that we want to walk into treasure. And so if you have your Bible, grab it. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, one of my favorite texts uh, in the entire scripture the, uh, this morning. So um, I, can't, I can't wait to, to get in it uh, with you. A few things before we read it and pray. It's just one uh, you're going to want to you're going to want to look away. <laughs> so, as we read it, just like kind of just stay with me uh, because it's heavy and um and you're like, "Why? Well, it's going to confront you with you and no one likes that." So, this is really bad news for you, but don't look away. So, I don't like watching uh I don't like hearing bad news. I don't like wa- I, frankly I don't like watching the news uh, cuz I don't want to see those things. I pr- I like the ostrich approach. <laughs> just let's, let's ignore it. Uh but that's not going to help you out in life. That's not reality. So, uh, this, this first part is, is heavy, uh, but it's true, and it leads to the good news. So if you don't have the bad news, you don't understand it, you really can't taste the good news, the remedy, uh, which is Christ. Another way to look at it before we get into it is um, this is going to confront you. You're going to love the shine of Christ, the glory of Christ, um, but it's, you're going to have to really forsake the shine of yourself, the glory of yourself. You can't have both. Uh, and so until you see your sin as bitter, which it is, you can't have the sweetness of Christ. They, they're, they're hand in hand. So we've got to taste the bitterness to have the sweetness. So don't, don't shy away from the, uh, the bitterness. The last thing, just to try to get you to listen in, because it's going to be tough. I'm telling you, bumpy ride till we get to the good news uh, of, of, of Jesus. There is a great misunderstanding to what Christianity is. <laughs> when I say great epic of proportions, and this is going to confront that idea. Most people, what they believe Christianity is, is that God loves good people. That is not Christianity. Uh, Christianity is God loves bad people. Uh, that's the amazing news of Jesus Christ. So and they're like, who's the bad people? Just wait. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, it says this, and you are dead in the trespasses and sins in, once, in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we once all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and whereby nature uh, were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love which with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated, uh, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing as a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no, no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared hand before, uh, 
God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's the word of God. Let's pray. God, I pray that sin would grow bitter, that we'd see ourselves rightly, that, that really the shine of self would just be exposed as, as dull and insufficient so we can see the shine and glory of Christ, the sweetness of Christ. I pray these, these really hard words in one through three will, will produce soft, tender hearts to your love for us in Jesus. I, I, God, I pray that you would give us spiritual eyes to behold uh, who we are, but also how you love us, it says, as we're dead in our trespasses. And I said in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so <clears throat> we're going to start in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And the, the, the big idea is just our human nature um, before Christ, apart from Christ. Um, a side note before we get into 1 through 3 is like, so Paul is writing the Ephesians church. So he's writing to already Christians. And so I never want to assume that. But the context of that He's writing to already Christians to remind them not only of Jesus, their, their new identity, but who they were before Christ, because he wants them to see their bit, uh, the, the bitterness so they could walk more in the sweetness of Christ. They go hand in hand. So a lot of people are like, why do you talk about sin still? Because we need to see who we are apart from Christ, therefore, so we can walk in the newness of Jesus Christ. So verses one through three is the human nature uh, apart from Jesus Christ, and I'm telling you, it's just heavy, but sit in it, because you won't see the beauty of Christ until you t- taste the bitterness of your sin. And you were dead. So the idea of dead is talking about you're your spiritually dead apart from Christ. So not physically, although you're on a trajectory of death because the wages of sin is death. It's talking about your, your spiritual deadness. So apart from the intervention of the, the Holy Spirit to make you alive in Christ, uh, if you're not in Christ, you're, you're alive and you're walking and you're talking, but you're spiritually dead. So it, 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 it's frankly, you're, you're zombie-like. <laughs> like you're walking dead people. Now, the idea of zombies have, has picked up the last you know, 10 years or so. They have a whole bunch of shows. I don't really watch any of them, so don't come talk to me afterwards. I don't know anything about zombie shows. I just know in culture it's a big deal. Uh, even this past week, literally, I went through Starbucks early, drive through over to my coffee, and the lady handed me my coffee, and she's like, I have, I have this question for you. I was like, okay, what is it? She goes, if there's a zombie apocalypse, what, what animal or person or thing would you be most scared of? I was like, this is what you got for me early in the morning? I was like, I just wanted coffee. I was like, I guess, I guess humans. I, I, I don't know. Um, this is our spiritual condition apart from Christ. So if you've ever seen zombies, which I have, I'm not a big fan of the shows, but if you've ever seen them, what are they? They're, they're, they're self-consuming. Like they, just, they consume everything around them. They're so self-indulgent. And what do they leave? A decay of destruction behind them. They, they're not like, oh, if I do that, this is all going to go bad. They just like consume everything because they're only thinking about self. So this is, this is who we are apart from Jesus. I mean, we, we are so self-indulgent and we consume everything around us and it leads to decay and destruction everywhere in all places. So God didn't make us like this. God made us in his image upright, and he made us to to really not be self-consumed, but be consumed by his love. And when we're consumed by his love, that we be compassionate and kind and generous towards other people. Because of sin, it's flipped on its head, and we're just self-indulgent and consuming. And so we're walking 
dead people, spiritually dead. So verse 1, it says, and you were spiritually dead in the trespasses. Now this word trespasses is this idea that you've kind of crossed the line that you shouldn't be crossing. So trespassing, we know what that means, right? But it's to go beyond one's right, and, and, and furthermore, not only do you cross a line, but you're crossing a line to injure another person by violating the law. So your hope is like, I'm going to do things that I know I shouldn't do to try to consume, to be self-indulgent at, at the expense of other people. That, that's trespassing. Now, uh, in Scripture, it gives a whole list of what this looks like as we're walking as spiritually dead people apart from Jesus Christ. Romans 1.29 uh, says this, they were filled with all manner of righteousness. So this is this trespasses, this idea of what it could look like. Evil, covetousness, or we desire what other people have, malice. They're full of envy. Like So envy is just like, man, we're so unsettled with our lives, which explains all of us, that we want everyone else's life. We murder, strife, uh, deceit, uh, maliciousness. They are gossips. Now, I did a little excursus. God. Gossip's a big deal. Like, you, you know why you gossip? You tear people down to make yourself feel better. And this is self-indulgent. And you're destroying other people at the expense of trying to feel better at yourself. And it sets, the, really, the world on fire. Now, confession, apart from the intervention of the Spirit of God, this is what I do all the time. I mean, you're God. Yes, and you are too. I want you to trace your words. Trace your words. Are they talking about people? And then think, am I actually trying to build them up or am I try, trying to tear them down? See, it's not bad talking about people, but to listen to yourself. There's ways that you are sinning all the time, walking in the flesh that are so deceptive. We'll keep going in the verse 30. Slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. Now, my favorite one also is inventors of evil. So, what I said, so we're all spiritually dead apart from Jesus Christ, and so we'll get into this is who we all once were. <laughs> On our resumes, it could be like, hey, what are you good at? I'm, I'm a good at inventing evil. Like, that's what we do. Like, we, we come up with new ways to create chaos. And, and so if you ever have a job interview, write that down, see how it goes. Disobedient to parents. So that's, we're spiritually dead. This is our trajectory. The list is real. And we do this. Uh, at the expense of others. Sin is missing the mark, it says in Scripture, and you were dead in trespasses and your sins. This is not God's design. I want you to hear that. God didn't make you this way. He doesn't want the world to function this way. Um, he, he wants you to, to, to love God, love others, walk in obedience to his word to, for flourishing. But in sin, we live for ourselves. And we, we rebel against God. We're obstinate towards God to do what we want. And it just destroys humanity. So uh, Titus 3.3 3, uh, says, says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions, pleasures, passing our days in malice. So you're not neutral uh, in yourself. What you are apart from the Spirit of God is you're passing your days in malice, envy, hated by others, and hating one another. This is your trajectory. Why? Because your nature and your proclivity is you're spiritually dead, you're self-indulgent, you're, de you're destroying other people uh, around you, trespasses. Our proclivity is our trajectory of, of decay. That's what it says in verse 2. And you are dead in the trespasses and sins. Listen, 
in which you once walked. This is the trajectory of the world. Why? Because it's the trajectory of simple people in their lives. Now, this is absolutely true. Look at the world around you. Is this not explaining what's going on? I mean, look, look at the news. Look at the, the hatred. Look at the backbiting. Look at the, the chaos. The, see, I think a lot of people are like, oh, the world's worse than it ever has been. And I'm going to tell you, it's not. Know why? Because there's always been sinful people in the world living for themselves, and what they're doing is creating chaos as they fight and backbite towards one another. I just recently talking to a guy, he's like, man, I don't know what's up with the world. I was like, I actually know what's up with the world. The root of, of this is sin and transgression, and me and you, is, we bring this into the world. See, a lot of us don't want to see ourselves that way, and we'll get to that here in a second, but the trajectory is clear of decay and unraveling because of spiritually dead people. Verse, verse 2, it tells us now why underneath that, not only just sin uh, and trespasses, but in once you once walk, listen, following the course of the world, there's a trajectory that we're all going on, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at the work and the sons uh, of disobedience. So Satan is real. And he's like the Pied Piper. Have you ever heard that? You know, he, he plays a pipe, he has a tune. We're all just marching to it. We don't even know it. We're spiritually blind, just marching to the tunes of Satan. And we're on this trajectory. Why? Because there is a real adversary who wants real destruction in our life. And he's destroying and bringing chaos by leading us in this transgressions towards God and our rebellion. So 2 Corinthians 4, 4, just so you know I'm not crazy, it says it this way, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, saying that, that we've been blinded to who God is and what his design is to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. Now, <laughs> there's a trajectory of sin, of decay. Satan is, has our marching orders towards uh, this disobedience. Ephesians 6, 12 uh, helps us understand this idea when we're having such uh, conflict with people. And hear me, conflict's everywhere. It's in your marriage, it's, in your, it's with your kids, it's with your neighbors, it's everywhere. Why? It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers uh, and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You're not battling with a person. You're battling with the trajectory of a spiritual war that's going on. And we have to understand what we're caught up in. Now, my hope is that what this would do would give us perspective of who we are. But secondly, verse 3, if you're in Christ, it says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. If you're a Christ follower and you've been wakened to the realities of Jesus Christ, you once lived as a spiritually dead person that you lived in your trespasses, that you were thinking of yourself stepping on other people, that you lived as lawbreakers, missing the mark, that you followed uh, the prince of the power of the air until Christ intervened, who we once all walked. My point here is that you should look at other people that are still spiritually dead, walking to the marching orders of this world, and have compassion. Why? Because you were them. You're not better than them. What's different about you and them? Christ it's not that you were good and figured it out. What's different is Jesus intervened in your life. And so you look at people not judging them, but what? You should have compassion towards them because that's how God intervened towards you. 
Now, this is also heavy that I want just to kind of press on us a little, a little bit more. It says in, in verse 3, among whom we once all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. By nature, who we are, apart from Jesus intervening, all of humanity are children of wrath, that we, we, de- we deserve the holy wrath of God because of our rebellion and our wickedness. We deserve hell. We deserve, we deserve death. Now, that, that's heavy. Now, why is this heavy? Because a lot of us don't think that's true. Scripture says it's true. All I did was just read Scripture, that we're spiritually dead, that we're transgressors, that we're sinners, we're following Satan himself, rebelling against God and creating chaos, and the penalty for that is the wrath of God. That seems fair. That is fair, and God is just. Now, you have to see yourself rightly. We like, we, we all think we're the good guys. Now, for all the good guys, how's the world the way it is? Yeah, think about it. It can't be. We're not the good guys. Coldplay uh, had, a, had a song that, that I like. It says, you know, am I part of the cure or, I'm, or, or am I part of the disease? Everyone in the, and they sing that. It's like, I'm part of the cure. You're not part of the cure. You're part of the disease. Now, here's the good news. When you see you're part of the disease, there's remedy in Jesus. Jesus said himself, I did not come for the well. Who did he come for? The sick. We're all sick. And this is why we got to look at the bad news, because Jesus wants you to have the remedy. The reason why we got to face ourselves is so we can have the beauty of Christ shine in our own hearts. Don't look away. It's heavy. It's real. It's sobering. This is who you are. You cannot blame other people. (laughs) You're the problem, and I'm my own problem. Until you get that, you will not have the intervention of Jesus Christ. Here's the good news. It's not you. It's not you. Verse 4, but God. That's the good news. You're not the good news. I know there's a lot of self-help. There's nothing about self-help in here. Nothing. Another way to ask and say it is like, there's never been a dead person help another dead person. Amen? Like, that's never happens. Like, I'm dead. I'm going to come help that person. No, it can't happen. Spiritually dead, physically dead people don't help other dead people. You just stay dead. You need outside intervention to be made alive. Who's alive? But God. But God's going to do something about our spiritual decay and our spiritual death. And it says, but God intervenes. So we're going to read 4 through 9 and saying, what is the good news? And it's, it's God. It says this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, is a gift from God. Now, not a result of works so that no man may boast, but God. It says, verse 4, Here's our, our, we're spiritually dead. No ability, can't save ourselves. We need outside intervention. It says, verse four, but God being rich in his mercy. God is merciful. This is the hope of Christianity. Hope, hope of all people, that God is merciful. God is kind. We, we don't even understand this. Now why? Because apart from God and the power of the Holy Spirit and, and God working in our own hearts, we don't experience kindness by anyone. 
We want to tear people down by our nature, and that's what transgression is. That's what we do. God only wants to be kind to you. He has no strings attached. He's not like, hey, do this, and then maybe I'll love you. He's just kind because he has a vision for you that's too good to be true because he's kind. See, we're allergic to this because we've been so hurt and abused by everyone. I mean, your parents, your neighbors, coaches, it's all been about tearing down. God builds up. He's kind. We don't even know what to do with it. But God being rich in his mercy. See, mercy is this. This is how we, we, we can hear the bad news. Mercy is God doesn't give you what you deserve. That's the kindness of God. See, we got to hear the bad news, and we got to hear that God is so rich. He's so overflowing in uh, richness in his kindness. He's not going to give you what you deserve if you have ears to hear it. That's not the point of, sh- it's not shaming you here. It's saying, I want to meet you in kindness. I'm not going to give you the penalty that you so clearly deserve. Instead, he gives you what? Verse 5, it says, grace. This is what Christianity is all about. He gives you what? Jesus. Verse 5, even when you were dead, you have no ability. It says, uh, even when you're dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, mercy is not giving you what you deserve, which is the wrath of God. He's going to be kind. He gives you what? Jesus. He gives you love. He gives you, he gives you his acceptance. He gives you his welcome. He gives you his sonship. This is grace. Now, the only way that you receive grace is, grace is Jesus. It's not ethereal. It's a person. Jesus is grace. You will not really understand grace until you look at the cross. Why? Because Jesus got what we deserved. He took the wrath of God. He bore our penalty on the cross. Why? So there'd be no more condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. The penalty's been paid in full, and he gives us his righteousness, his sonship, his, his relationship. He gives us grace. He gives us favor. And until you see the great love of God, particularly in the cross of Christ, you can't be made alive. It says that he makes us alive in Jesus Christ. Now, to become a Christian is to be born in the Spirit of God. You can't, you, I'm going to say, I said it a couple weeks ago, I was like, I don't know about that. You can't be a Christian without being born in the Spirit of God. Why? Because he's the one that resurrects your dead heart. He, he, it's, it's, it's like you, you're flatlined. And God brings a defibrillator and just like pumps it into you. You're like, you're awakened to God. He makes, it, he makes Jesus beautiful to you. This is new birth when he, 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 he makes us alive in Jesus Christ. So I got a few illustrations to show what this looks like because God is so merciful and kind and loving and he shows us, that in, the, shows us in his son and the Holy Spirit makes us alive uh, to Jesus Christ. So if you know the story of Sleeping Beauty, Sleeping Beauty is in this spiritual stupor. I mean, she's in a physical stupor, but it's an illustration of our spiritual stupor that she can't wake herself up. What could wake her up? It's the kiss of a prince, an outside intervention of love. And what's all, it's so neat about all fairy tales, they all are somewhat true in Christ. If you see it rightly, the prince comes and kisses her and what? Awakes her alive. She was dead, but now alive. Now, this is what happens to you by the Spirit of God. You are spiritually dead, 
And when the kiss of the Holy Spirit makes you alive to the beauty of Christ, you start to see things differently. You come out of your stupor. Your eyes start to open to the beauty and the love of God. You start to live for God and the loving other people. Now, I got a, a, a few more illustrations to help us understand this. Is, you know, I, I have three kids and I was thinking about this. And Deacon, he kind of, he wakes up for school. And then he goes back to bed, and we have to wake him up again. That's just his, 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 how it goes in the morning. He wakes up too early. He goes on the couch. We've got to wake him up again. He's in this, like, stupor. And I went over to him this past week, and I, and I started just kind of rubbing his, his head like this. And I said, hey, hey, Deacon, your daddy loves you. Your daddy loves you. It's time to get up. And then I, I, I kissed him, and, and he started to come out of his stupor. And then he grabbed my face, and he pulled me in. That's what the Spirit of God does to you as you hear it. He says, I love you, and I'm for you, and you start to come alive. Your heart starts to beat for God. You start to awaken to the true love that he has for you in Jesus Christ, and it changes your perspective. This is the story of the prodigal son. If you don't know the story of the prodigal son, you know, he basically is what we do. It's a, it's a parable of who everyone is. We're the prodigal son. It's like, God, we don't want you. We want your stuff. And, and the, the, the father's like, fine, have the stuff. He goes and spoils all the money. He lives for himself, indulgent. He, he's, a, he's a bad steward of it, loses it all. He's on his way back because he has nowhere to eat, nowhere to live. He's going to go back to his dad and be like, hey, you know what? I, I know I can't be your son anymore, but I'd like just to work for you because I'm really struggling here. He wants a servant relationship with him, and his dad sees him. And he runs to him, and he couldn't believe that he's clothing him in a robe of righteousness, of sonship. It's too much for him to believe. You know what he does? He kisses him. He says, this is true. God looks at you and loves you despite you. This is the good news of the gospel. And there is response, but that response is a gift from God as he awakens you. You put your faith in Christ. When you, when, you, when you become a Christian, you're awakened to the beauty of God in Jesus Christ and his faith. You start to delight in the thought of God. You start to see the beauty of Christ for yourselves. Faith is you want to grab, proverbially grab the face of God and behold God. Why? Because you feel his presence. You feel, you feel his nearness. Has that ever happened to you? Right? This is, this is the gospel. This is grace. Have you been awakened to God? And you're like, well, I don't, I don't know if I have. I want to be. I'm coming. I'm hearing. I'm telling you, even that is a gift from God, that God is bringing grace into your life because no one desires God. It says this in Romans 3, 11. It says, no one understands and no one seeks God. So you're like, well, who does that mean? No one. Even if you have the desire to hear God, you know what that? That's awakening of the Spirit of God in your life. It may be faint, but you're coming out of your stupor, and you're going to see the beauty of God, because that's not a desire that any of us have on our own. Um, one, one guy I walked with for a while, he kept on coming. He's like, man, I want to believe, I want to believe. And, you know, and then I met with him for coffee, and I was like, man, I think you do believe. He goes, and this is not a good response. He goes, I, I effing do. And he's like, you know, it, it was a little rough around the edges. But his response is he's coming. God's wooing him into the beauty of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's so amazing. When you're awakened to the beauty of Christ, you see God's great love for you, that you stop living for yourself and your self-indulgence. And you, 
when you see God's great love for you, start to care about other people as he's cared for you. This is the beauty of the church. It says in scripture that Jesus says, greater works than you will do than, than me, right? Now a lot of people get real confused about what that means. Jesus is, he's, he's the God man, but he's only one. He's, he's, at the, he's, right, he's at the right hand of God right now, and the Holy Spirit comes into the church, his believers. So what does he mean by greater works that we'll do than him? Pretty sure none of you have raised from the grave yet. No one raised, is anyone raised Lazarus? Like, like we're not like having a, like a score sheet here. Like he doesn't, no one walked on water. Like that's not you. So what does he mean? He means that that you are going to bring love and kindness into every sphere of his earth that he created. And he's sending you there to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Because the world doesn't know kindness. They don't know compassion, and they don't know love. He says, once you've experienced, who gets to bring it? We do. His bride. It says so much in Ephesians 2.10, my favorite verse in Scripture, for we are his workmanship. That means God is recreated us in Jesus Christ. He created us in Christ. He shared the mind of Christ, the character of Christ in us, that he's worked compassion and love into our hearts for good works. Now, a lot of people think good works is like, man, I'm going to crush in life and have an amazing life, and man, God has a great destiny for me. That's not what this says. The good works is that we're going to bring the compassion and kindness into our worlds, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, what's so amazing about the church, we all live different lives, we live in different neighborhoods, we go to different schools, we all have different spheres of influence, and God said, I'm going to send you there to bring the kindness of Christ only you can bring. How powerful is that? See, the world only knows sin. They only know trespass, they don't know selfishness, and by the Spirit of God, we know the kindness of God, we know the grace of God, we know the favor of God that we can bring this into a world that doesn't know them. And as we love people, you know what grace does? It teaches our heart to fear. It teaches our heart to see God. We need the church to be what? The church. We need to be different than the world, not because we're trying, but because we've tasted the sweetness of Christ. We don't go around saying, be good like us. We, I mean, that's not the message. The message is, man, we've experience the kindness and the grace of God. Come taste and see what I've experienced by showing them and displaying the grace of God. Just think for a moment. If we would, if we just be the hands and feet of Christ, if we would go into these worlds and be living out these works of compassion, it'd, it'd be unreal. But you know the way you do it? Your sin has to become bitter and Christ has to become more sweet. You, so in other ways, you can't do it on your own. You got you to read this as it is. Like, man, I'm spiritually dead. I deserve the wrath of God. Man, I, I'm hurting people, destroying, but God. And if you understand by God being rich, it'll change, it'll change your world. Change your life. It'll change, it does change your eternity. But a lot of us want to assume we're good and we go live for ourselves. That's not the gospel, and that won't change your life, and that won't bring compassion to the world. God is being rich and compassion to, to us in Christ. Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd help us respond that the Spirit of God be awakening us even right now as I'm speaking to the beauties of Christ by allowing us to take the, taste the bitterness of sin. Help us not be afraid of the bad news, and it is, it is bad, but help us see the good news of Christ. The kindness of Christ is rich, it's abundant, it's overflowing, 
It never, it never runs out. And it's pointed at us to build us up in Christ. Help us experience the grace and the favor of God. I pray the Holy Spirit would just help us feel the embrace and the welcome and the, the acceptance of God this morning. That we're not defined by sin. We're not defined by this world. We're defined by Christ. We walk with great confidence and peace that's found in Christ. And God, I pray that we'd see that you've made us for these good works, to be people of compassion, people of kindness, people full of grace. I ask that in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.